The scripture reading is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Good morning. Man, thanks for leading us in prayer. Michael, thank you for uh, reading our scripture this morning. And Gary, and um, just everything that takes place kind of on a constant um, basis for the, the work of the ministry here at Resurrection Global Methodist Church to take place. Um, it is a beautiful thing to watch. It is a beautiful thing to get to uh, brag about. And I brag about you guys often. Um, and tell the story about how the Lord brought us together and how um, on, if you're looking at baseball card statistics, like some things just don't line up except for that there was just unity of the Spirit and the Lord has just been at the helm of this thing um, from day one. And so um, this morning is a celebration even as we look at um, loss over the last week of um, people that we love and have walked with, even as we um, go through just kind of the minutiae of, uh, of a new year. I will say uh, I have had this next week earmarked um, for like three months now because it's annual awakening and I'm doing a breakout group and I'm responsible to get, um, you know, a whole person from another country on the other side of the planet over here and aligned and um, just been a lot of stuff kind of like just buzzing, just a lot of movement. And so um, for me as a pastor and for us as a church, it's been so beautiful to just watch the work of ministry just continue to step forward because people are, you guys, are just saying yes to the Lord. So um, as we go into this final week of our series, Bold, um, I share that just to, just to share that encouragement with you. Keep doing what the Lord is doing through you. See, keep saying yes to what the Lord is doing in you um, because it is, it's bearing fruit. Um, and we're getting to see the result of what, uh, of what God's doing. So, bold. Last two weeks, this is the last week, um, three weeks total. Why, why did we, um, and by we, me, why did I, sorry, um, want to jump into this new year with this, this series, Bold? It was actually um, our charge conference last year. Um, Jim McClurg, the pastor of Alliance Global Methodist Church, um, he, he gave the message and it was called Bold. Um, so I figure I'll just rip him off and, uh, and we'll take it here. But he talked about the transformation in Peter, um, where Peter went from um, a doubting, scared, fearful disciple to Acts 2 when he stands up and preaches the first gospel message. And he said, what took place? There was this boldness that was instilled in him. That at one, on one, one page of scripture, he's denying Christ. And the next, he's like standing up in the middle and just saying, this is the truth of who Jesus is, what he did, and what that means for you. Um, and it just, it lit me up. And I said, um, 
what a good remind, like what a good thing that we need to be reminded of as believers. And as I've dove um, into the scriptures, I've, as I've kind of just tried to sense what does the Holy Spirit have for us, um, this is it's. I've run into this thing where um, the mechanics of boldness are not a mystery to the majority of human beings on the planet. The mechanics and what it means to be bold. When you think of the word bold or someone who is bold, you kind of have an idea that pops into your head. Um, whether that be a public speaker or an athlete, you have this idea that pops in your head. But what so often happens for us as believers is that the, just this, it, once it goes through the filter of um, the realities of life and uh kind of social, cultural, politeness standards, and all these different things that kind of like impact the way we interact with each other, and especially the way we interact with strangers. We get to the end of that process, and what we saw as bold here, once it goes through all of the systems, kind of comes out, and, and it just, it's not a hard and fast, but what I saw in my own life, and what I think is true for the majority of us, is that what ends up coming out of our mouth is way more guarded, is way more afraid than, than what I originally started when I'm going to talk to someone about who Jesus is, what it means, what it's taken place in my life. So week one, we, we highlighted um, that Peter said that you should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have found. And I gave you the homework assignment, and I checked it last week, um, and then we didn't do anything with it, and I got some complaints, so I apologize. Um, this week and for the next four weeks, we're going to have a, a video booth set up out in our lounge area and I'm going to invite you, as the Holy Spirit leads, to come and give your what, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Your story, your testimony about who Jesus is and what he has done in your life. So that'll start today. Um, I'll see you after service. So uh, obviously, we're not going to like make it awkward. I'll make it a little awkward. Um, but if you have felt that, like, because what we're going to do is we're going to take those and we're going to begin to just post them on social media and some different places and say, listen, if you wanted, if you want to hang out with people who, who at least can, can give you a reason for the hope that they have, here's the reason for the hope that I have. And then we're going to trust the Lord with the rest of it. So that was week one. Week two, uh, we talked about the shame and how shame exists whenever I get outside of God's will and I try to do things and, and manufacture things on my own. Sometimes boldness gets off the rails. And then shame also, the enemy likes to use shame whenever we are actually being obedient to the Lord, but the results don't turn out super great. And somebody um, totally rejects and tells you off, and um, which is a, a thing that happens. Um, that, that the enemy wants you to feel shame around that. And so, that, so either way, shame robs us of hope, and without hope, faith is dead. Because faith is a substance of things we hope for. So we talked about those two pieces. This last piece is similar. It's a little bit of, of, of both of those weeks, but um, and, and I couldn't figure out what, quite what to call it. If you don't like redundancy, if it's kind of your pet peeve, then I'm sorry. But the only phrasing I could come up with is just a bold confidence. What does bold confidence when I'm talking about 
what God has done in my life. What, how does that take place? How does that become rooted? Because I, I don't, I think that confidence is something that is sometimes um, fake and phony. I think confidence is sometimes something that is um, poison in the well, not the, not the power that it should carry. Um, and I think a lot of us, and by, again, when I say a lot of us, I'm talking to stuff that's in me. So I hope it registers. If it doesn't, that's fine. But a lot of times I view confidence. I don't want to be too confident because I don't want people to think that I'm arrogant or rude. And yet you go into the scriptures and there are very blunt statements made that are not easy to process or not easy to, to maneuver and to, to digest in our spirits. And yet we almost reserve that for Scripture. And I, I don't carry that same, that same confidence just to speak boldly in my day-to-day. And so um, I went into this, pas- this passage in Philippians, um, and, and I just kind of found this. Confidence is so often shaped by who I'm talking to. Y'all follow me here. Um, we discovered the what, we understand the how. The goal today is to discover who we are supposed to share with. So to turn to Mark 16.5, sorry, 16.15. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. So if my confidence is, is, is shaped and kind of contingent on on who I'm talking to, um, who am I supposed to go and share this good news of Jesus with? And the answer is everyone. everyone. All right, band, y'all come on up. We're <laughs> if only it were that easy. Because the truth is, is that uh, again, age, younger people will, when they're talking to someone who's outside of their age range, older people who are talking to someone outside of their age range, people in the middle, talking to people outside of their age range, you begin to come up with a narrative. So the, the, the narrative that typically exists is um, they don't really want to hear what I have to say. Wealth. Again, this might just be me. But when you perceive someone's wealth as greater or lesser than yours, you don't want to be you don't want to say something wrong. You don't want to say something inappropriate. Perceive social status. Anybody watch your words a little bit more carefully when you're around a city council member or principal of a school? Or do you understand? This is what I'm talking about. These are the these are the the little daily things that impact our confidence. Our confidence. And this is something that has been taking place in the church at large. So Barna Research, if you, if you ever want to find some just really cool, interesting data about the, the state of the church global um, and different stuff, Barna is a great place to go. They have very reliable stuff. So in 2000, between 2015 and 2022, that seven-year span, there was a 24-point drop in uh, percentage points uh, of pastors who felt that their church was at least somewhat effective at reaching out to the unchurched. So in 2015, 63% of pastors said, yes, my church is at least somewhat effective, which is a pretty low bar to begin with. In 2022, 39% of pastors 
said, I, I feel like my church is at least somewhat effective in reaching the unchurched. That's a pretty steep decline. And these are pastors, so we tend to inflate numbers anyway. Um, so <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. But this is not, this is not a Methodist thing. It's not a, it's not a specific denomination. It is a reality for the church global. So the question today is, how do I, how do we become a people who confidently tell the world about Jesus? I will go ahead and give you a little spoiler alert. It's really simple. But don't get lost in the simplicity of it. Because typically, this question, how do we become people who confidently tell the world about Jesus, doesn't get answered. And then even if it does get answered, there's very little action taken off of it. Because it's, it's regarded in this question of what is God's will for my life? Because that's the question. If I'm seeking confidence in, in sharing the, the gospel of Jesus with someone else, then I'm asking for, what, for an assuredness of God's will. Assuredness that, that I'm in line and, and acting as a representative in the, in, in the proper framework and fashion as, out, as, as it is outlined in Scripture. And so questions like, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for your family? What is God's will for your work? These, these are common questions and typically the ones we use to go and seek out answers and to find a framework so that we can walk through our life, engage with our family and our work with confidence. But so often we don't ask the question, what is God's will when you see your neighbor later today? And what is God's will for when you run into your coworker tomorrow? What is God's will for when your boss blows up on Thursday? What is God's will for when you're putting gas in your car on Wednesday? What is God's will for, um, you get where I'm going? And those are the questions that, that we don't ponder as much, or we apply a real generic kind of, you know, one-size-fits-all answer that doesn't really challenge us into a place where when, when that does take place and I do find myself and I'm, and I'm stepping out into the unknown and I'm trusting the Lord because I've been given this prompting by the Holy Spirit to go and open my mouth to someone I've never met before. All of a sudden it's like, I'm not ready. And all of a sudden the words that come out of my mouth are guarded and they're safe. And I start to say, oh, well, I... I And we miss the opportunity. Romans 12.2 begins to unlock what it takes for us to answer these more intricate um, questions of how we're going to build confidence. And it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. There is, a, there is a change in the way that we process, there's a change in the way that we think that is required for us to then 
This is one of those if-then statements in Scripture. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. God wants to change the way you think before the moment you step out into the unknown. So that when you step out into the unknown, you have already been prepared to speak into the unknown with an absolute confidence, but it will require that we change the way that we think. And don't, I want to just frame this. The way that we think, don't take that off as like um, the way that my brain brings up pictures and sounds. This is, this is really pointing to changing the way that you, that you go about acquiring information, the way that you go about preparing for each day, the way that you go about not just the thoughts and pictures, but the process that you actively engage in that shapes and molds you from the inside out. And then this brings us to our primary passage for today. And let's read it again. With this, with this lens of what is going to shape, what is going to mold. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the presence of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Again, not pictures and sounds in your head. Engage, process, allow them to shape you. Allow, participate in those things in your day-to-day life, in, as, you, as you wake and as you go to bed, allow these things to begin to shape and mold and, and take root deep in the soil of your heart. Think about such things. I love being a Methodist. Do you realize, and many of you know this, so just humor your pastor. The term Methodist was a insult when it was first assigned and ascribed to John and Charles Wesley and the the group of uh, young lads who had decided that they were going to do things a little differently than the norm. The term Methodist was an insult because this group began to say it matters what we engage in. It matters what we do. It matters uh, not just what we know, but... how what we know shows up in our day-to-day lives. And so, in Philippians, it says whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And John came, uh, John Wesley, that is, uh, came up with another list that actually, I think, is an unpacking of this idea of, of what can I go and engage in? What do I have to engage in in order to grow um, as a Christian, in order to know God in a deeper way? And it was the acts of piety, 
and acts of mercy. He said there's two, there's two different buckets. So acts of piety is reading Scripture, meditating on Scripture, studying Scripture. All three of those are different, by the way. I think some of us um, really like studying Scripture, but when's the last time that you just read it and allowed the Holy Spirit to teach? And vice versa. Prayer, fasting, corporate worship, singing. We're in the room together for a reason. Witnessing, imagine that. These things that shape and mold and that are good and admirable and that I should think on that will make me more confident when I'm witnessing is witnessing. Communion. And then Christian conferencing, which is um, classes and bands, which is... uh, Chris, don't think conferencing is like conferences like hundreds and hundreds of people, but it, it referred to this connection that, to, that takes place that um, is in tight-knit communities as God allows, um, as we allow people to, to speak into our lives. Um, and so those acts of piety, acts of mercy, visiting the sick, caring for prisoners, feeding the hungry, giving to those in need, seeking justice. External facing. A lot of acts of piety are internal processes that you, you can do a lot of times, not all of them, but a lot of times alone in your room. Acts of mercy require that you get outside of yourself and you go into the world and, and you actively participate in addressing the needs of others and ministering to the needs of others. Wesley was clear that both piety, this inward process, and mercy, this outward process, had to be the part, had to be a part of the life of every single believer. So I'm going to clarify something real quick. We're not talking about salvation. Salvation is by faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. And we would call that, we would call that justification process, that is, that is God's. But I'm saying if you've been around for more than for a little bit, if you, if you were wanting to grow and develop your boldness to carry the message forward of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then take a look at this acts of piety, acts of mercy, these things that are admirable, these things that are, are good and loving, these things that are worthy of consuming the process by which you go through your week, you go through your day, you go through your month. And don't just use that checklist and go, oh, well, there's eight things on there and I'm doing three. And don't say you have to do all eight. This isn't a, again, we're not, we're not trying to, but again, go into those things and say, God, what about, what, what in that list makes me the most uncomfortable? And then go do it. So if I'm a person who, who I can get into the scriptures and I can unpack and I'll go into concordances and, and I'll, I'll just, I mean, I'll just. But it's really uncomfortable for me to sit for half an hour with three verses in Proverbs and just ask the Lord to speak. Then go do that. <laughs> We're human beings. We are, we are the product of of process and and we we will go to the the level that's comfortable and yet Jesus in every single one of his teachings called us into discomfort he said no 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 stop 
Let's go. And then we, what we realize is as, as we engage the discomfort, he meets us right there and we begin to grow. And we begin to develop. And we begin to have new strength and, and, and new joy that we didn't know was possible. But it doesn't happen by accident. And it doesn't happen um, without some really intentional decisions on our part as believers. And so my encouragement as we close out this series um, is that we will not file these things away in the back of our minds or in the back of our Bibles and just continue on our merry way as we have grown accustomed. But that for each and every single one of us, we would look at this passage in Philippians, that whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, we would, we would identify those things, and Wesley helps us, not the full extent of the list, but it's a great place to start. And we would say, God, change my thinking. So that when the moment comes, and, you're, and, and the Holy Spirit says, go, go, open your mouth, say it, Ask them if they need anything. Ask them, ask them to, to talk to me. Ask them um, about the time that I tried to, to get their attention last week. That we would respond with a bold confidence and say, Jesus is alive and he loves you. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel that I'm sharing with you. And I, and I, I want to offer this thing to you because it's real and alive and active. Here's what it's done in my own life. Ben, y'all can come on up. But here's the truth is um, I, I would love to produce a result right now. I would. Welcome to being a human. But this, this result, if it's going to, if it, it, this act of God, if it's going to take place and take root and actually be what God is doing in this new move, this new uh, season of growth and development as disciples of Jesus Christ, it is going to happen as you engage with these truths in your own journey, and in your own process. I would love to give you a system, but it will fall short. So what I've tried to, to give you guys is some simple truth, and then allow the Holy Spirit to point to the areas where he's like, hey, this is the part I'm trying to grow and develop in you. This is, the, this is the arena I'm calling you into that's uncomfortable. Some of, some of us, I won't even say you, some of us, because I'm in this. Some of us have been saying to the, no to, to the Lord for so long that it feels, it feels normal. Some of us have, have felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go and take the step, go and do the thing, and we have said no so long that we have become comfortable with telling the Lord no. He's asked us to move into a new arena and we've said no and we just stick to the, the things that we like in this process of faith, in this process of discipleship. And you're, and you're robbing yourself of the confidence that comes in fully surrendered 
Trust in Jesus. So we're going to close this service like we normally do. How did I do? Not terrible. We're going to sing a song that affirms what we've been saying. We're going to dismiss here in a little bit. And and you're going to go on about your day. And I leave it to you. to take the moment when the Holy Spirit shows up this week, because of this I am sure, it will happen. You'll feel the tug on your heart. The thing will take place. Something will get your attention. It'll remind you of 20 years ago whenever God said, hey, I want you to go and I want you to serve in this area. And you said no. Something will take place. And I'll just say, go. Go and do it. Go engage it. But I don't know how. I don't care. But where do I start? Somewhere. Call a friend. Call me. But begin to engage in these things that are good, trustworthy, admirable, and allow them to shape the way you think. And, and the rest is up to God. Amen?